just to set the stage for the listeners who are not in the room, um, Don and I are uh, currently located in uh, um, in a uh, meeting room at the uh, Metro Toronto Convention Center at IAFP 2023. Uh, we we have our fancy uh, mobile podcast setup that includes uh, shoe. Um, uh, microphone stands and Don before I started recording asked me the question I was about to ask him which is we have one shoe on the table each are you wearing the other shoe currently on your foot Un- until moments before I asked you the question I was and I decided it was going to be super weird to sit here for an hour and a half or two hours wearing one shoe so I slipped the second shoe off me too I'm I am currently currently barefoot um, yeah wait was, now barefoot or stocking feet so we'll stop what, what kind of podcast is this? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I have uh, I have socks. I have ankle socks. Oh, then you're not you're not technically true, barefoot. True. I'm not you're, technically you're stocking feet. I'm right? virtually is that, barefoot. Is that a thing that you have? You call that in Canada? Is that a stocking feet? Stocking is that, that a, seems like is that an Americanism? Is I think that... that's an Americanism. That seems like something out of like a risque podcast or. Um, like a like a Christmas podcast. Yeah, well, yeah. What kind of what kind of risque Christmas podcast are you listening to? It, it, it's it's you, me, Santa, and no shoes. Um, uh, don't make getting, me do that with water in my. We're mouth. getting warmed up here. I'll ruin um, your fancy microphone. Please, please don't. Um, so uh, every year we we record a podcast at IFP. This year we actually recorded two. One that was like a. Um, a Special invitation Special. only. Yes. Breakfast yeah. included. Yes. For uh, for another group. Uh, I I I F I I F I Sure. <laughs> yes. That uh, one. That group. Yeah. Um. And that one was like, uh, we kind of explained a little bit of the the podcast uh, to a bunch of people who, a few of them may have listened, but this is this is a different episode. This is for the diehards because there are actual listeners in uh, in the room and listeners who. Um, have been here multiple times uh, at IAFP uh, in the recording room with us in the past and uh, and some new faces today. So, um, you know. I, I do want to say, though, for the record, um, and I don't remember his code name, but Aaron was in the room the other day, and Aaron is a, mm. I would consider Aaron a diehard listener. True, true, true. He's, a, he's an OG, OG listener. What does that mean? What does it stand for? Original? Uh, original. I think it's original gangster. Gangster? Oh. Yeah. Well, wow. maybe it might be gangsta. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, we'll just go with OG Rob, from here yeah. on out. <laughs> we're getting, we're getting, we're getting heckled by, yes. by the audience. Yeah, yeah, which is probably well warranted. Um, so uh, I, I've got a couple things I want to ask you about. You're, you're, oh. you're in like a cable. Oh, it's You're fine. Cable Here's the thing, Ben. I, I know the cable management. Here, what what you know. Um, so what what people who are not in the room know is that podcast is an audio format. So as long as I'm quietly messing with my cables, show title, um, uh, nobody is the wiser until you call it out. This is true. Um, I so uh, I I got a fancy new pack. So I'm going to tell because this is another thing that we do talk about because I'm always, uh, I'm a, I'm a bit of a, like a, a, I don't know, pack obsessiveness person. So I bought this really just for our podcast setup because it's got some nice little pockets in it. And um, I, I, Don, 
do cable management like this, where I have a little. Um, so for the, for those of you at home who cannot see what he's doing, mm. he's Shame holding he's holding up he's cable <laughs> shaming me. He's holding up a tiny little cable that's carefully wrapped Multiple. in 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 and they're wrapped in different color things. Different color rubber things with magnets on them. Um, you've you've shared this solution with me before. I have. I have. <laughs> Don, Don is. I'm going to carry the podcast for a minute as Don has moved away from his microphone. Not sure what's happening. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's an audio medium. No one would know. That's true. Okay. Hey, so I'm going to go. Uh, we're going backwards with things. Usually we, we warm up um, a little bit. We'll talk a little food safety talk and then do risky or not. But I have a risky or not question for you. Okay. And I have a complaint to lodge with you. So. Oh. Okay. Well, um, you uh, submit that through our online forum. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I think we have an email. You can uh, email me at uh, foodsafetytalk.com. Uh, um, so uh, this year at IAFP, we're here in Toronto. I have some questions about Toronto for you. Like, well, my, like, my complaint is Canada-related, I think. Oh, okay. Excellent. Well, well let's do that first. <laughs> I'm, now I'm, See, my, eventually he takes the hint. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, like... <laughs> Like me, yes. like a nice uh, Starbucks in oh, the morning, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, like now, I said, yeah. And one of the things that I really like about, about Starbucks, Star <laughs> as it's called in Canada. Starbucks, Star with a Q-U-E on the end. Star, um, Star is, is the mobile app. Yes. But you know what happens when I try to go in with the mobile app and order my Starbucks in the morning? It takes it, you to it a wants me, it wants me it wants me to pick it up in New Jersey. Oh, that's and, that, and that's like not convenient. No. Or or the closest one is Niagara Falls on the US side. Really? So I think I think I need to get But here's the thing. Huh. I can pay with my app. Huh. But I just can't order with my app. And I think I probably need a special Canadian version of the app. So I was wondering if you could hook me up. I probably can. Um <laughs> I, that that's interesting. I had not. Uh, I, I have not um, done any sort of. Oh, order had not available. It says at all the ones that are. But only for your American app, I think. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Because because they because they Canadians are doing it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So anyway, I I complaint okay. lodged. Um, I realize it's it's you know it it is your fault. <laughs> it is. Um, well, it's not. No, it's not. It is. What does Mark say? It's, yeah, it's, it's not, my it's fault, not your fault, but it is your problem. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so. Uh, I have not been to Canadian Starbucks uh, since I've been here um, for, for two reasons. You're off the caffeine? Oh, no, no. Oh, okay. No. One reason is, um, I, for nostalgia reasons, I have to go to Tim Hortons for my coffee. Oh, and, so, I, and, and for those of you who are in the audience, everyone should know we have Timbits, there, I believe. Yes, there are Timbits. Timbits are, have, have, have appeared. Um, and uh, so, so I've, I've been to Tim Hortons a couple of times, but also... I, what did what'd you get? Did you get like double double? No, it's no? A double double double's a little too much for me. I'm, okay. a, I'm a I'm a large regular guy. Just a <laughs> yeah. Just and, and now I, I've been to Tim Hortons. <laughs> it's, like, it's the code. It's it's the, yeah. I've been to Tim Hortons in the, in a, in America, in in America, and 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 there um, you can't order uh, large regular. That doesn't doesn't mean anything. So what do you order? You get, you get a large coffee with one cream and one sugar. So oh, that doesn't seem right. Right, right, right. Like a large double-double, that's two creams, two sugars, which is like a milkshake, which is really how I started at Tim Hortons in, in my, like, that was a gateway, mm. uh, my gateway coffee. Yeah. Um, Come for the cream and the sugar, stay for the caffeine, because it's an addictive drug. Yes, yeah. Um, so, so I've been to Tim Hortons a, a few times. I've been to uh, 
Now, I will be shamed probably for this, and especially by our friend Michelle, um, who we should point out is the uh, al almost, almost completed her presidency here at IAFP. Um, and she relayed to us last night that um, the good listeners of this show um, often will come up to her in a number of settings randomly and say, oh, I know you from the podcast, which I think is hilarious. Yes. That it is, uh, I, it's the, not something the, that we set out to do. Equivalent but. would be something, someone coming up to Joe Biden and saying, I don't know anything about what you've done, but I heard you once on this podcast. Yes. And it was really funny. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, and they talk this, about you all the time. I know yeah. you from this podcast. Um, so I had lunch uh, a couple of days ago. Another Canadian thing that I, that I do almost every time I'm in Canada it's have lunch, but I have lunch at a specific place or a dinner at a specific place, and that is, um, I, I would not say it's a high cuisine restaurant, um, but it's a, a restaurant called uh, Swiss Chalet. It's we've talked about this we on have. the podcast. We yeah. have, yeah. So, and I did that instead of Starbucks. And and I, well, that's good. That's yeah. good. And the only the only only thing that I know about Swiss Chalet mm -hmm. is it's referenced in a bare naked lady song. Yes, right, right. This, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Okay, I want to I want to ask you my my risky or not question now, um, and it's it's very IFP related. Uh, right before the podcast, Don went and filled up my water bottle, um, and he filled up his water bottle because this year at IAFP, um, I really I really like the uh, the advancements that um, I, and I'll I'll say IAFP the organization and probably the local uh, um, arrangements committee put together, which was all right instead of a whole bag full of like goodies and things, we're gonna invest in metal water bottles and not have like water bottles all over the place and let's refill our water. And there's lots of water um, fountain, not fountains, well, bottle fillers all, all over the place. So that's, that, that's fantastic and all good. Um, but it, it has posed a little bit of a challenge um, and maybe some of our listeners who are here have experienced this, maybe you've experienced this, Don, but you, you, like you're taking your bottle with you in lots of different places, right? Including the restroom. It's a fine. It's fine. It, it, so I want I want to ask okay. you. I'm, I'm, I've got I, I've got a path to risky on this, obviously. Um, but I, I didn't AFP, stick it up my butt. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> IFP 2023 um, water bottle in and out of multiple restrooms. How many? It, it, I'll give you some. The, I, I, you know, it's going to take me a while to land on this canonical question, but of course, as it does. Um, but I, I would say that I've gone to the restroom on average here at the convention center um, two, two and a half times per, per day. Okay. Okay. So what's half time look like? It's, it's quick. <laughs> didn't quite, did, things didn't quite come to completion. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm taking my water bottle in. Uh, this is a family show. It's a family show. So I'm not going to say yeah. what I just thought. Um, there are uh, these are these are public restrooms. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of lot of good food safety people in there. With a me. lot of hand washing going on. A lot, a lot of, hand of hand washing. But I will I will say that there's also a lot of toilet pluming going on. There's a lot of invisible toilet pluming. Invisible toilet pluming. There's there's. Uh, um, there's flushing, and and I, I don't want to. It's the flushing that leads to the plume. That's correct. That's correct. And then uh, working backwards from the plume, then it's the deposits of you know poop uh, that 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 are also uh, leading to the to the pluming. And I've not. I've, I I you know I'll, I'll tell you well how I've handled this. But I, anyway, there's my context. Two and a half times toilet plumes, um, food good good food safety people, right? Like I would assume 
that, that we don't have uh, a lot of um, food safety folks that are showing up ill, right? But, but who knows? Who knows? Uh, yeah, risk, uh, I have a few water bottles, risky or not. Oh, I think absolutely not risky, right? And, and so let's, let's think about this from, from a risk perspective. If you didn't have this water bottle, would you have another water bottle? Would you have something else? Because here's the thing, Ben. The thing about going into the bathroom is you're bringing everything with you into the bathroom, or, or right, you're not, right? right? And <clears throat> so you know, backpacks in a bathroom. Um, we, we, we're in the pre-show um, um, amuse-bouche for, for the audience. We were talking about norovirus. And, and shoes and, and refilling, well, and I made the joke when I brought the, I refilled right. our water bottles. I tried to be pretty cognizant of which one was yours and which one was mine, but then I also shared with you that I didn't think I had norovirus in my mouth. So if we swapped water bottles accidentally, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a risk. Um, but then you asked me something, well, how did we get onto norovirus in the shoes? I don't know. Yeah, you, but, you, I think you did. You took a detour <laughs> to nor, noro shoes. Right. But so, no, I don't I don't I mean, is it theoretically possible that you could bring a water bottle into a bathroom and get norovirus on it? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's completely possible. But we go we go in and out of restrooms with toilet plumes and toilets and toilet plumes all the time. So and now, granted, I'm not putting my mouth on everything that I brought into the bathroom with me, except for my water bottle, unless I put it up my butt. Right. Right. Which I'm not doing. Which is not happening. Um, but no, I mean, I, and, and well, here's the other thing too. These are really nice water bottles um, that have like caps that you can screw on, right? And I'm not, I mean, and and you know, is there a slight difference in risk between the cap on and the cap off? I would say yes, but no. And in fact, most of the time when I'm going into the restroom, I'm bringing all of my stuff, right? I'm bringing my computer, I'm bringing my backpack. My water bottle, for the most part, is in my backpack. So. I mean, yeah, is it a theoretical risk? Yes, but the name of the podcast is not theoretical risk or not. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm with okay? you. Yes, yeah. And, and we've covered this in a couple of times in, in previous episodes. We did one on uh, beer kegs in the bathroom, um, and uh, we were both not risky on that. And we did another one about, I think it was eating Dippin' Dots in a bathroom stall at a Carolina Hurricanes game. Um, <laughs> and, so, and, and I think we were, well, I, I, don't, I couldn't find that one. Uh, but it feels like we were both not not risky on on that one. We were both not not risky. Yeah, see, I'm, I, yeah, I know it's okay. It's, my, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I'm not gonna stutter shame you. So I just think it's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but but I did. So I, I I'm with you. I think it's I think it's not risky. Um, but I I did think about it as I was walking in, as everybody is walking in and out of the restrooms uh, with it, because I think I I don't know I don't know about about you. Like I tried to really really model the stuff that i talk about in this podcast especially like i live i live it right mm -hmm. um are you ever on higher alert in hand washing in a in a you know, restroom when there's a bunch of food safety people around like your own and what's happening around you with others i would say no i'm not because i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do and yeah. here's the thing ben if i have poop on my hands i'm washing that off because that's Absolutely. gross, yes. right? Even if I'm not infectious. But yeah. I mean, I did see a good a friend of the podcast and, and often emailer to us, Carl Custer, washing his hands. And that man can, can he can, he can wash a hand, see, right? Yeah. And, but, but no, I, and I feel, I find, felt kind of bad that I was a little bit like slapdash in my own hand washing efforts. But you know, it, I, I'm, 
if, if they're not really dirty, I'm not going to wash them really hard. I mean, and I know that's that's heretical around here, but that's, no, I, I, also I want to be honest. Yeah, you are you you are who you are, right? Yeah, I, I'm more of um, just aware that other people are are there in our world, right? Like that there's there's a uh, a different a different eye on on what's what's happening, and then I'm also like looking at what other people are doing and which I would not be doing in other situations, which I think is, I think is funny. So one, one thing that I noticed and what, what brought this up is that, um, a couple of times in my 2.5 restroom, um, uh, uh, visits per day, per day, um, I've noticed people lining up their water bottles outside of the restroom on the floor to not take them in. And that's why I wanted to ask this question because so, someone in, uh, in this situation is doing that for, a perceived risky reason or so yeah 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 no so that's that is a fascinating question and so again as per our earliest um japes and jaunty comments right trying to keep track of which i wanted to yeah. make quite sure that your water bottle was given back to you and they're pretty identical <laughs> right Very, and so yes. when you're doing that when you are putting your water bottle outside the restroom I'm hoping these people have some way of identifying their water bottles, right? I, did you inspect cl more closely? No, nah, I'm just, I'm just okay. running. I'm running right by. Running All right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like that, that's I see. But, I, but, I hear, but the that's other a risk management is, decision, right? Like they're, I think they're leaving them there to not take them in to the to the restaurant. Sure. Right? And but then the and then to have them a risk with somebody exactly. else's. Yeah. 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 Someone else's norovirus saliva. Thank exactly. You. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so so I, I yeah I but I I. I I saw that, um, and I thought this is a some, it's a good topic for us to talk about on the podcast today. Absolutely. Um, what what's your uh, tell me about your meeting? How's your meeting been? Um, <laughs> my meeting was good. I would say I made one critical error. Oh no! And that was so. This was so. Th this is a good story, actually. So, I was hanging out in the president's suite mm. as you do, and it was a good vibe. Yeah. Like, and it was a good vibe, and I, I really want to give a giant shout out to Michelle. And this was the, I was hanging out in the president's suite on the first night of meeting, Monday night, I believe it was Monday night, and, and it was a good vibe, and it was wonderful people from the grant that, that our president Michelle is leading on produce food safety. And one of the things about that grant is that Michelle has put together a team of great researchers, and I would say, more than half of them were women. And it was so great to be in this venue with all of these really smart, cool women just hanging out and, and vibing. And, and the other thing, Ben, I don't know if you've ever been to a party where it's mostly women left at the end of the night and Michelle's like, okay, well, I need to go to bed. And everybody else is like, oh, let's help you clean up. That's, I, don't th I don't think that's a guy thing. No. I, I've never seen a guy say that. And so we cleaned up. Because um, I was there, I was helping out. And then Callie, who is a past president as well and a friend of ours, said, oh, we have this food left over. It seems a shame to throw it out. We should go give it to somebody. And we're like, yes. And then I was like, well, you know, I should probably go with you. Like, so you should not go alone to give away this food to people that might need it who are sleeping on the streets. And so we did that. And it was, it was really nice. We found two people that would take the food and then two other people that were sleeping, so we just left the food for them and hope they got it in the morning. And it was, it was a non-TCS food. Um, and then we're coming back to the hotel, and uh, Callie gets a text saying, hey, we're in the library bar. 
library bar. And and I'm like, okay, I, I guess we could go to the library bar. And I went to the library bar. I had a drink. It was very nice. Um, the problem has been, though, that at that point it was midnight. And I had to get up to do a podcast with you at 7 a.m. It's true. It's true. And that was a miscalculation. <laughs> and so I'm afraid today I'm on my A game. Yeah. Yesterday or the other day, yesterday, I was on my B-plus game, I think. I, so. You know, and it was just the miscalculations. Like, you got to get up at 7 in the morning. You really should have just helped to clean up and then quietly left that party or maybe even left that party before it was time to clean it up, you know. And then uh, I would have felt bad about not helping with cleaning up, but but at least I would have been better rested for the podcast. So that's that's how my – that's that, so my meeting has been great. Oh, no, sorry. Second thing I regret about this meeting is I have to give – oh, so we talked about this before. Yep. I have to give a talk. Um, now, it turns out that they got the schedule slightly wrong, and so I don't have to leave in the middle of the podcast, but I have, a, as we say in the business, a hard out. Hard out. Um, i got to be presenting at 11 o'clock. So I have to be out of here in time to be presenting at 11 o'clock to give a presentation for – it's okay, Siri. Oh. I wasn't talking to you. Sorry, um, sorry, Siri. Um, and and I, I gave a presentation for Marcy yesterday, but I was sitting in the room next door quietly by myself working – and I forgot what time it was. And so I came into the room like four minutes after I was supposed to have started, and I quickly ran and I gave her talk and I finished on time. It was not, it was not the best talk I've ever given, because number one, it wasn't my slides, um, um, but I managed. So, but other than that, the meeting has been fantastic. So uh, I, you, you glossed over something that I think is important for, for all who listen, all who attend meetings. Um, and, and who present at meetings and who convene meetings, is that you showed up late but you finished on time, and you, so it didn't impact anybody after after. Right, right. You're, Only me. I, yeah, that, that's and maybe Marcy. But it, that's okay. yeah, yes, yes. Fair enough. Um, but uh, that that's the that that's the name of the game. Um, well, and, and I was really grateful. So not only did I finish on time, I was really grateful that the session convener had not just gone on to the next talk. Yeah. Because that also would have meant that, well, I mean, would have meant maybe people in the room, um, you know, not having to sit with dead air. But it would have screwed up the whole rest of that, that chain because that now people popping in and out to hear a certain talk would not have heard it because the timing was messed up. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, I, uh, I, when, when you shared this with me last night, um, I, I shared an anecdote and, and I will, I'll protect the, the individual, but probably the best thing that I saw at any meeting that I've ever been at, um, about a convener who was all about being on time was a speaker who was going over time quite a bit. You know, these are, um, for, for those of you, uh, who've not been to IAFP there, there's different types of sessions. So you've got kind of laid back 30 minute symposia talks, which are, you know, I would say usually more general about a, a um, you know, a specific problem or subject pulling together some, you know, three or four pieces of research or, you know, just setting the stage. But then the technical talks are they're They're like rapid fire, 15 minutes. Um, and, and they're back to back to back. So you can't, you can't really, if you go over by like six minutes, you've, you've impacted everybody. Um, afterwards and and at, you know it, it's you're, what we're what you know, what IFP is trying to do and what we're trying to do is get the most amount of good concise information out in the most efficient way so um, I, I don't I don't remember the details of the meeting that I was that it was at I don't know if I was still a student or if I was um, uh, already at NC State but I was in a technical session where one of the conveners 
um, reminded people about timing. And then one of the speakers went over by two minutes, three minutes. The convener is sitting right beside the speaker, made some hand motions like, you need to wrap it up, said, please, let's finish. And then the, the speaker did not do that. And so the convener, and uh, I'll describe what I'm doing because again, it's an audio format. Um, but the convener reached over without looking at the speaker to the laptop and just advanced their slides to the end and said, okay, you're good. The presentation is over. And the other convener, who we know, and again, we will not name, said, I'm sure you'll make yourself available at the break for questions because there's no more time. And and I thought that that's a that's a move. That's how you do it. That's a move. Yeah. That's a you, you you're impacting everybody else. But it was it was just so like, um, you know, like, like not looking at it, just so so natural. Like do 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 done. Thank you very much. So that'd be a lesson. You know, there there like there there are certain things that seem really um, strict and antiquated. Being on time in a conference to me is not one of them. Like that, that's that's okay. No, like, like that's a, like there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, yeah. there's a reason for that, yeah. right? And yeah. and it's it's really in fairness to everyone who is in the audience who wants to hear your presentation or maybe who wants to hear the next presentation. Yeah, right? and, and when I say being on time, I mean ending on time. I no shade towards you. Oh no, it's fine. Uh, I, I totally owned it. I mean, it was yeah. my my mistake. Um, and I'm going to try really hard not to be late to Marcy's second presentation <laughs> yeah, today. You have a hard out. You have a hard, you hard are, out. You'll be giving that presentation at 11. Um, so uh, I wanted to call out a couple of um, couple of cool things um, that that I've seen as I've been here, uh, and then we've got we've got some you know some listeners and friends of the show in the in the audience, and I think we should invite them up and I, and, I agree and and see, see if they've got questions they want to talk. I, I agree. How's that sound? Um, okay, so first one I wanted to want to highlight um, was uh, the uh, Ivan Parkin lecture that, that happened. I'm a I'm a fan of the big lectures. I'm just uh, I'm gonna say that that I I. I'll, I'll move in and out of rooms. I'll go see people that I know. Um, uh, 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 you know, usually I'm kind of hanging out in the symposium or technical session that that I'm you know I'm in uh, or, or part of. But I do I do like, and I'm, it's a shame I'm going to miss the the closing um, lecture today. The uh, uh, what's uh, it's called something? Silicur lecture. Silicur, silicur, silicur lecture. Thank you. Um, but the Ivan Parkin was really uh, was really interesting and. Um, it's it, uh, it was delivered by uh, Sarah. Now, how how would you pronounce Sarah's last name? I would pronounce it Cahill. Yeah, and I would I'd pronounce it Cahill. Cahill. Yeah. Yeah. But I think she pronounces it Cahill. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's what we should call her then, mm -hmm. Sarah Cahill. Um, and uh, so what what I really um, what I really really appreciate about I, the Ivan Parkin lecture is every it's every year it's it's kind of a different. Um, a different vibe and a different take on on things, and so Sarah, Sarah, who I've met uh, a number of times, but no, haven't really hung out with um, too much until after the Ivan Parkin lecture, where we, we chatted for for quite some time, talked about standards and um, gave I, I thought um, a really like important perspective on the stuff and science that comes out of IAFP and how that impacts um, like trade and um, the movement of, of food uh, and, and then also like how food gets regulated in countries, you know, that are, that are not just America, um, you know, internationally. And she gave some really good examples and I found it like, um, you know, if it, I'll, I'll, I'll 
I'll say something here that, that might might come off weird. Like if you told me, hey, we're gonna have an Ivan Parkin lecture and it's gonna be all about standards, I'd be like, uh, I might might sit this one out. But I, I found it really compelling. Like it's it's a really it's a really interesting set of stories um, that goes along with it. And I thought I thought she did a, just a fantastic job. I thought it was I thought it was really cool. Yeah, and and I've known Sarah for a long time uh, because of involvement with uh, WHO FAO activities. And she uh, recently changed jobs to be more involved with the part of FAO that's doing, and I'm not going to get the details right here, but doing uh, like more codex-oriented stuff. Uh, and that's why uh, our friend Jeff Lejeune actually has her old job at, at FAO, um, uh, which is which has been a great opportunity for him. And uh, and yeah, and she's she's she is a really interesting and compelling speaker, and like she gets it right, like she's lived this world of standards. Um, oh, and I will say too, the the Parkin lecture. Um, or sorry, the Silica lecture at this meeting was originally scheduled to be given by Michael Brodsky, yeah. Canadian uh, Michael Brodsky, and an all-around good guy, but he's had some health problems, and so he's, he was not able to do it. And so they've got uh, Randy Huffman, who uh, is a um, uh, also based in, in Canada and uh, does uh, in the food industry, and, and particularly uh, um, uh, deli meats, or a lot of, I, the, the company he works for was, was known for a big listeria outbreak, and, and Randy came in after that outbreak to... To fix things up for them, and so it's good that he could he could step in. So, so why you you have to leave? You're not uh, you're not staying? Yeah, I gotta go. Um, Coach hockey? No, I gotta go uh, rafting and mountain biking. <laughs> so that's a tough gig. It is. It's yeah. It, it's uh, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to check out the uh, you know uh, camp of actor and the campgrounds uh, of West Virginia. No, it's you know I um I have. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to uh, trying to hang out with my family uh, and stuff. So uh, I got my my uh, my oldest kid is uh, has been invited to uh, uh, West Virginia to go mm. to go rafting, and the, all the dads have been invited. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go home cool. early to do that. So. so you're so you're so you're not going to West Virginia. You're going home, not to opsec you, but yeah, um, I'm going home, going back to Raleigh okay. to to pack up our our bikes and our uh, um, uh, really that's it and our in our bathing suits. Uh, and uh, and then driving West the the so where um, where we go in West Virginia to do a lot of this is not it's it's about uh, four and a half hours so it's not like a long way away um, so but I, we we have to be we'll, we'll be in a raft uh, at uh, two p.m. tomorrow cool yeah cool. so and hopefully I don't and die I like have you, have you ever been rafting before yeah and I'm terrified <clears throat> of it mm. like this is I I would um, I I told my kid I was like. Look, I'm doing this because it seems like you really like this, um, and I and, and he thinks it's really funny that I'm terrified of it. So so we just keep doing it, um, and and uh, but you're but you're not, but just to be clear, let for the record, you're not terrified of riding a bike down yeah. the side of a mountain. Yes, yeah, and where okay. there's trees. Yeah, that, yeah. And, I, and here's the thing. Here's the thing about trees and rocks. They're hard. Yes. Here's the thing about water. If you if you're not too far away, it's not that hard when you. I mean, there are rocks under the water. Yes, but. yeah, rocks under the water, and the water's moving fast. And I would not. Have I ever told you my swimming history? Has this ever come? No, up on the, no, this is perfect. So, so I I'm, I would not consider myself a swimmer? Like, strong swimmer. Okay. Um, I learned how to swim in high school, um, and I, I blame my parents as you know as as as, as I might. Uh, for not for you know we they would take me I grew up here in, in Toronto they would take me to the to the pool which is out an outside pool but I, I never did like swimming lessons or anything so I was kind of mm. like oh I'd be out there and just like flailing around um, and uh, and and for for a girl 
um, who it all has worked out. Turned out she is, is now my wife, and uh, ah, uh, okay. she is a uh, is a very very good swimmer, like a competitive. Why, why doesn't she go rafting with the kids? Well, then? well, yeah. She so so when I was in when I was in high school, um, she uh, uh, well I, she didn't really say that hey you should do this, but she somehow I got in my mind that I would join the swim team, but I don't know how to swim, Don. So I learned how to for a girl. swim for a girl, for a girl. Um, and, and competed. And I, I want to, I'm actually a little bit proud of this. Um, in a, uh, uh, I think it was like a 50 meter backstroke race. I did not come last. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I did yeah. not win it. I like a heat, like, but, yeah. but I beat at least one other person. Nice. Um, so, so anyway, uh, so, but that's about the extent of my swimming. Um, and so I always feel like a little hmm. bit like nervous, like I'm in this raft and, and I'm also, you know, you know me, I'm a little risk averse. Yeah, no, no. I, and, and, and that makes sense. And thank you for telling that story. So yeah, I, I grew up, um, I'm not a great swimmer. I really don't like getting my head underwater. Um, uh, but I, I learned to swim as a kid and then didn't really do my, not, not a big fan of swimming. Uh, but then for a while there, um, when, uh, when Marcus Carell was on the faculty at Rutgers, Mark was an avid swimmer. And he would come by my office every day, and and we just got into this habit where we'd walk over to the pool together, and it was oh. so it was so cool. I mean, the swimming was fine, and I w and I got better at swimming, and I learned to do a flip turn, and uh, like I could do different strokes. I was not great. I mean, he's not a fast swimmer, but it was really fun. But mostly, it was fun just to go uh, and spend that that lunch hour um, talking with Mark, and because he was just such a wonderful, um, amazing, knowledgeable um, uh, food scientist. Um, but I, I did go. Uh, I have been whitewater rafting once with my kids when we went to Philmont Scout Ranch ah. in Philmont, New Mexico. And it was this was not at the ranch. This was on the way to the ranch because there's a whole big thing where you gotta you gotta get in a plane, and you gotta fly to a place, you gotta fly to Denver, and then anyway, whole big whole big long thing. But and they, we so we build stuff into the trip in advance to, to 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 accommodate all of this. And yeah, we went we went whitewater rafting, and I do remember. There was something, there, I remember the signs in the bathroom saying something like, don't drink the water, right? <laughs> this, this water is not potable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and it was fun. And I don't think, I don't think our raft flipped over, but there were rafts that did flip over. And it, but, and it was fun. I don't remember, I remember it being exciting and a little bit scary, but I don't remember it being like mortally terrifying. But it, a lot of it depends on how the water is that day, how much yeah. rain they've had, whether they, if they've got a dam where they've opened the, opened the gates. And uh, yeah, just to, and again, they try to, I think the people that are organizing these things kind of manage the risk and they, they kind of make sure that you don't have, you don't throw newbies right into like, you know, right. dangerous situations. Now, when you when you do this, do, do you have a, a professional on the boat with yeah. you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, you got a guide, yeah. and they're trying to like steer keep, you. Keep to you the, from getting into serious trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and I'm the so you know there'll be there'll be four other or three like four kids like four fourteen and fifteen year olds and then um, four other dads or three other dads. There'll be four of us, mm -hmm. and the rest of them are all really good. So I don't even really need to do anything. Um, or at least that's that's how I don't drown. Yeah, yeah. Stay in the boat. Don't they're like, drown. They're like paddle, and I'm like I'm yeah. hanging on. That's that's what's happening right now. Like, I'm just gonna make sure I don't flip out of this thing. Okay, so that's why I gotta leave. So I'm gonna miss out on the Silica lecture and Randy and um and, and it's that's too bad because I, I enjoy I enjoy those. Okay, no, another thing I wanted to tell you about that I thought was has been really cool um, at this meeting, and it's been mentioned uh, 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 like a, a bunch of times, and so. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I, uh, uh, I'm not sharing anything that, that hasn't already been, um, brought up, but, um, 
there's a 10th grade student here. I heard about that. Yeah, I heard about that. On um, like the, uh, the use of T5 like phages in microbial source tracking fecal contamination. And uh, this, uh, um, this, this individual's name is Noah Bryan. Um, he's a, um, a just a, not just, he's a student. I mean, I'll put student in air quotes. He's a student in high school, but he's a, um, a, a, a student high school research uh, helper in uh, our, our friend Larry Good, Goodridge's lab. And I've, I've had a chance to interact with Noah a bunch of times. He's a stellar, like just a stellar kid. And I was like, Larry, how did this happen? Like, how did you, why is there, why is there a 10th grade student here in, in, in your lab? Like, what, tell me, it's not something that's ever come up for me. And he said, really out of the blue, Noah reached out to him and said, I, you're doing really interesting things. Can I come learn in your, in your lab? And I just thought that's unique. Yes. That, that is like really, really fascinating. So it was cool. I don't know if you had a chance to. Um, walk around and, and see see his poster or if you've seen him, but he he was in a um, symposi- uh, round table that that I put on yesterday on um, DEI uh, in large projects, and he asked like like one of the probably one of the best questions in the whole session, which is like, man, who is this kid? Is great. So I cool. it, yeah, I think it was I think it was really really awesome. Cool. And and I'll say we we host high school students in my lab every summer. Uh, there's a program through the American <gasps> Chemical Society called Project Seed, uh, where they take uh, kids who are who show an aptitude for science, who come from a disadvantaged background, and they they, they give them the opportunity to come into labs for the summer. And it's great to have those kids there. And I've and I've taken also kids just from for a while there was kind of like reputation. Like a, one kid reached out, and then and then like the next year their siblings reached out, and so. That, and that, and again, because I'm lazy, it just sort of like whoever yeah, you yeah, know, right. comes, I'll, I'll let them come. But um, and if the, the so the program is really now just shrunk back down to the Project Seed students. But I mean, and they're all great and they're wonderful, and they leave at the end of the summer having learned something about science. But Noah really sounds like an exception in terms yeah. of his uh, his uh, uh, interest and ability. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Okay, and so the other, I, um, I guess another highlight for me um, that I've seen this week, and I'll give a shout out. I, I'm, I'm a, I'll just say I'm a little bit of a fanboy of this of this guy, um, and it's pretty. He's, he's he's kind of a cool dude. He's a fellow Canadian. Um, he's at uh, I think it's called the Metropolitan University here in oh. Toronto. Uh, Ian Young. Um, he. Uh, He's he, he, not him. Him and his group, and all of his his students and his colleagues and his collaborators. I think they do really fascinating stuff. And he presented something yesterday that um, that I thought was really cool, where he looked at Toronto public health, um, the you know public disclosure um, inspection scores uh, and violations and pass fail rate, um, sort of three years prior to the pandemic, and then right after restaurants were allowed to reopen um, for sort of a two-year period. And um, it, you know, the, I won't go too much into the, into the details because um, I, you know, that's, that, you know, I'm sure I'll, you know, publish it and I'll, I'll get it all wrong. But it was really like, he, he was able to demonstrate with the data that um, there, there was a, just a lot of like me- messy variability in the two years post reopening of restaurants of like 
you know, it was pretty flat on every year. You could kind of predict the number of violations and what it looked like. Like it was just a you know, pretty straight line, no increase. But you saw this drop down of, in, of infractions um, and because things were limited and then they're ramped back up to almost normal levels of like how many problems there were and, and what the pass fail rate was. And I just, I thought that was really, like, I thought it was really interesting. He, he, we had chatted afterwards and I was like, you know, we hear these kind of anecdotal, like things changed. And he was like, yeah, what, yeah, what kind of drove him to do the work was that he was hearing that there was like, um, I don't know, like inspectors were, were, were over like, like it was, they were, they were getting, you know, people were getting in trouble or having infractions at a much higher rate. And so he's like, I don't know if that's what the data says. And he, he was like, no, it's the, it was the opposite. It was lower. And now it's back to where it was not drastically higher, which okay. was the perception okay. of, of folks in the industry. Oh, but the, yeah. that perception was only there because it had been so low during the pandemic. Yeah. So yes, it's gone up, but really only back to where it was. Yeah, so interesting. yeah, yeah. I thought that was really, uh, I thought that was really, really cool. So yeah, so anyway, shout out to Ian and, and all the great work that, that he does. Um, what else What else do you want to talk about? It's <laughs> your show. Well, I, I mean, I did put some stuff in the Dropbox, yeah, but cool. also, I mean, I do want, I mean, we have all these, these great. nice people that yeah. have come here to talk with us. Um, I think, I don't know, you want to open it up to, Take some questions from yeah. the audience, or yeah. you want to, you want to keep uh, shucking and jiving? No, no, let's let's op let's open it up. I have got some stuff that that we can keep talking about. But is anybody? We've got um, again for the audio format. Uh, there are 150 people here in the room. Um, people are lined up. Uh, <laughs> no, you have to, you move away from the door. Yeah, you, it's a block. No blocking the fire, the fire exits. Fire hazards. <laughs> fire hazards. Um, yeah, no. So um, we've got we've got some some long time. Uh, um, listener folks here. We've got some, you know, first time folks coming in to see us in uh, in person and, and multiple uh, multiple friends. So if anybody if anybody wants to come up and and uh, ask us a question or share what their meetings about, come on, come on up, and we'll uh, we'll you, we'll share a shoe with you or or not. You you can you yeah. you can bring your own shoe. You bring your own shoe. Yeah. Wow. Well, Ben. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, come go, go, yeah, go, come John, on. Come up. John's coming up. All right. Um, Why don't you come sit in the middle of us? Yeah, if that's all right. And then uh, we can. Yeah. We only. It, I only. I only brought us two microphones, and it's mainly because um, I only have two ports on my computer. So, but here we are. All right. That makes sense. Um, it's just so funny that part of this turned into a water safety talk because that's how I got into public health. I would describe myself as someone who is a lifeguard who works as a health inspector and water safety has just been a huge part of my life. And it was just kind of funny and ironic that uh -huh. you guys went there and yeah, learning to swim is really important. And I hope you're going to wear a PFD when you're out on the oh, raft. Oh, I will. And <laughs> I will be wearing a PFD and a helmet. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm all, look, I'm, I'm, I'm all about my own safety. Strong recommendation. So I, I hope there will be pictures of oh. PFDs and helmets. It could be, yeah, okay, please yeah, there, take some there, pictures. There, we'll put them on the social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put them we, we can tweet out hashtag not risky if you wear a helmet. Uh, be safe out there on the water, kids. Yeah, Stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, It'd yeah, be yeah. funny. Yeah. Okay, done, done, done. Yeah. Um, so um, it, go, go ahead and introduce yourself. And now um, we, uh, as a historic uh, situation, 
Um, people sometimes are like, I don't really want people to know that I was here and what my question was. So feel free to be anonymous or not anonymous, whatever you're, whatever you're comfortable with. But uh, tell us a little bit about who I, you are. I really don't think anybody cares. So I'm John <laughs> Wyatt. I'm a health inspector in Ottawa. Um, I'm here because of you guys, basically. And I've said this to you guys both privately, but I wouldn't have really known anything about IAFP if I didn't listen to this podcast. Um, uh, I came across it ooh, 10 years ago almost when I was going to school to train to be a health inspector. One of my profs gave it a shout out in a lecture, and I've been a listener ever since. Um, risky or not, uh, I, I have sent in an episode. I'm responsible for the CanCon episode, Old Soup. Old Soup. Excellent. And I'll give a shout out to my friend who I met um, when I was lifeguarding and he showed up to inspect my waiting pool and I said, how do I get your job? Um, and he uh, is responsible for the waxed steak episode. So he wished he could be here, oh. but uh, um, give him a shout out too. He'll be listening eventually. Shout out to uh, Deep Wax. Yeah. Uh, for, uh, for the waxed steak. Waxy beef. Waxy I don't know. Beef. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Um, so, uh, you know, I guess, John, maybe uh, tell us a little bit about what it's been like to be here as a, as a first time IAFP uh, attendee and what, you, what you've taken away from, from the meeting. Uh, it's been fantastic. I kind of had this worry that I was getting my local public health department to send me to this and it's not really targeted at local field people and doing that kind of thing. But there was going through, there was always two places I wanted to be at any given time, which is great. So it's it's really applicable to everything that we do and seeing those higher level things. It's been a great network opportunity to speak to people at like Public Health Ontario, CFIA Health Canada, who lots of them are here. It's, you know, you don't realize there's so many people from Ottawa kicking around. So <laughs> that's cool. Has there, um, has there, have you seen anything that um, has been particularly notable for you? Any any great sessions that um, that you you know that that you saw that, that's going to stick with you? Uh, going around the poster hall was really fantastic. There was a handful of things. Um, some of the research that. Uh, uh, Dr. Ian Young and his postgrad are doing around the relationship between uh, emergency room visits for acute gastrointestinal illness after heavy rainfall in Toronto, mm. sort of applicable to my work looking at beach water quality in, yeah. in my health unit, um, trying to make those connections and justify why we take water samples at the beaches every day. Um, and uh, another poster presentation that really was surprising and interesting was one about enoki mushrooms and listeria growth along with growing enoki mushrooms yeah i made these connections like well that's kind of like when you make sprouts yeah yeah no I, absolutely and that had never occurred to me before and you know it's something that i always see in restaurants is like a cook your own and is there any food safety education going on to the people i i went to a korean barbecue place at one point and the servers looked at me funny when i said could i get like a second set of tongs for the raw meat and they couldn't figure out why i would I want that yeah 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 um it, we talked about um we yeah we, we've talked a little bit about enoki mushrooms on the on the podcast before but um one thing that i guess a little bit of follow-up that you, you just made me think about is um there was uh an outbreak of like um, like a toxin issue with uh, uh, how do we how do we say this Don morels Mor morals yeah Mor morels 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 and um, I had a conversation with someone in the um, in the restaurant industry after we talked about it on the podcast who who was like this like this thing basically that some morels can have you know higher toxin levels or there are things called false morels that are either and you know, in his his point either 
mistakenly sold as morels or not mistakenly sold as morels because they're you know maybe related to uh, food fraud um, issues, but usually aren't having enough you know toxins to, to lead to illnesses. It's like this is a thing. Like this this this, this outbreak is something that the restaurant buying industry around mushrooms has known about for a while and it's the fir you know first one that's kind of jumped up to some national prominence and i was like man that's a that you know that that's interesting because you know we we certainly um know that you know mushrooms are um have been associated with with illnesses and foodborne illnesses before but it you know it seems like uh you know 2022 2023 is all about it's a mushroom year all of a sudden so yeah john yeah. do you have any questions for us um, I think I'd love to talk about, as a risk or not question, uh, what your guys take on, and, and you may need some more time on this, what you think about raw meat cooked on a vertical broiler, like shawarma. Because oh, oh, I'm from the shawarma capital of North America in Ottawa. It is delicious, but my, I have a take on it. So I'd yeah. be curious to see your take. Well, so... I think we have already covered this. This was an early episode of Risky or Not. I will find it, but um, but by all means, give us your take while we look for that, and uh, yeah, we'll see if we align. When I used to do food handler education as part of my job on a regular basis, teaching you know basic food handler courses, um, I would always bring it up, and the shock and surprise from random people in the room when they realize that that's a big cone of raw meat, and you're slicing off only the part that's cooked and serving it. Yeah, it was always okay. There is there is one. There I can't I can't okay. believe I missed it. No, no, it's all right. It's it's okay. Episode five. Episode five. Whoa. Yeah, donor kebab. But um, so we so uh, and and I'll, I I do want to retalk through this. So we this is one one of those like special episodes where Don and I disagree on it. Um, and uh, and Don was not risky, and I was a I was a risky. And uh, and and I actually um, for for me this is a food. That when I was in graduate school at the University of Guelph, there was a number of outbreaks in Western Canada, um, in Alberta, and and I was particularly like important in the food safety world because there was it, it wasn't really just the the technique itself; it's how the technique had evolved and what was happening in some of the um, some of the illnesses. Uh, and actually, there's a another sort of uh, you know, fallout to this that um, uh, we talked to our friend Bobby Krishna from Dubai about um, was that traditionally the the meat cones um, on the donor kebabs uh, were um, were not put on frozen uh, to the to the cone and so it's not even just that it was raw it's that the the heat source was cooking just the outside and in really really frozen unthawed raw meat was essentially not getting into a high enough temperature in a bunch of spots and that the um for like the heat source it itself um the it, it it's um the closer it is the hotter it's gonna cook and so having apparently smaller frozen kebabs was a was a factor uh or you know don't you know cones meat cones or yeah. whatever Ideal mostly with places that are assembling the cones in house from just marinated meats overnight, and they just stack it up, and then they sort of trim it into shape, which is really important so you get somewhat even cooking. Yeah. But I, I think looking back, I, I, I'm sure I listened to this, but I think you guys focus more on the ones that are maybe the ground beef that's all mixed together and yes. the seasoning and everything. Yeah. And my quest, sort of my thought about this is, 
why aren't we we certainly see salmonella associated with chicken shawarma it happens um why aren't we seeing things like be serious and other spore forming organisms when those cones are sitting there because the center of that cone is going to be room temperature for hours and hours and hours and sometimes will get used again the next day with chilling now talking to operators who are doing this process they credit the seasoning and the marinating in a very acidic you know seasoning as as being the reason you don't see that and you just rely on that very very hot final cook step to take care of any anything that's alive on there but does that make sense well, I mean, you know, one of the reasons why we always talk about Bacillus cereus is heat-stable toxin formation, right? And so I I don't know. I mean, it may just be that it's a it's rare enough to have that. So and and again, I should we talk about this often enough. I should 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 be at the top of my brain, but we we know that the the emetic toxin forming Bacillus cereus tend I think to be the ones associated with rice and less maybe with meat. And so maybe it's that the organism is just really not there all that often. Um, and if it is there, maybe it's just a one-off. And, and yeah, and there's illness associated with it, but there's never something that rises to the signal needed like you would have if you had a, a bad batch of, of rice um, you know, from a Chinese restaurant that was made into fried rice that, that sat there all day long at room temperature. Um, and, and so it, it's maybe it's a prevalence and concentration thing. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a really good it's a really good question. Um, yeah. I, I'll, I'll add something else in that, John. Um, I'll, John, I'll, I'll send you this for for show mm-hmm. notes. I, I did. Uh, there's a paper that's published in 2012 uh, entitled "Several Quality Attributes of Beef and Turkey Meat Donor Kebabs Produ- Produced by Traditional or Continuous Process." And as you were talking about Bacillus cereus, I got um, more interested in perfringens. And, um, yeah, and and I would say, when, with respect to meat, for sure, yeah. perfringens is going to be the one that I'm going to be worried about more than bacillus, for sure. Now, but the thing with perfringens is I don't know, that may be one where if you get high growth, but then it sits there and it cooks, you're mitigating. I mean, it's not the best way to manage food safety. Let the bug grow and then kill it, right? I would rather just, like, let's not have it there in the first place or not let it grow, but yeah. Yeah, well, and so... Um, Paper that detected um, three, 5.3 to 6.2 log CFU of staph uh, in 42% of donor samples. Um, so I, I think that's there's, a, yeah, that's there's a, that's a, that's a lot of staff, and that and that will make a heat stable toxin too, yeah. right? Uh, and then a 1995 study report an average of 2.6 uh, 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 times 10 to the 3 um, CFUs per gram of perfringent in donor samples. about how long too, right? And, and what that 
So, so sorry, Ben. I have to interrupt. Oh, she oh, no. just left. So let the, let 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 the record show that president of the association, also known as Michelle from the podcast, has come into the room to take our picture. That's all. And that's all she says. Thank, thank you, thank you. The audience, the audience is heckling us about how we didn't spend enough time doing things. Hi, the board says hi. Does the board have anything they want to share? The board is tired. <laughs> Who's keeps scheduling these seven o'clock meetings and late night uh, room uh, party sessions? Huh? Huh? Who has to kick the people out of the room at eleven twenty at night? That's right. Got to manage. Got to be out by eleven thirty. Um, John, thanks so much for, for your question and discussion. And I, I'm, I'm a, like, I am surprised that we don't see more, like, shawarma, donair, yeah. outbreaks that, that exist. Uh, you know, and they do, I mean, they do pop up, but it's not, like, you know, the top. And I wonder if it's about, like, consumption as well. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it would be, I I would, and you know, I I do have to say we're podcasting with with one uh, computer tied behind our back because the internet here Again, not nothing against the, uh, the 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 association, but the internet is lousy, and also I'm tethering from my phone, and that internet is also lousy. So, uh, I mean, I am we do use the internet a lot when we do this podcast, and it's and it's not working very well. Um, but but yeah, I mean, why don't we see more? It would be really interesting to go into CDC NORS and pull down um, all the perfringents. And Brasillus and staff, or just pull down maybe maybe well, and you have to search. The problem is we, this: these things are called so many different things, yeah, right? right, right, right. Uh, but but uh, gyro or gyro and Donner kebab and shawarma, yeah. like it's all sort of of a thing. Similar. Is similar, yeah. um, and it would be good. It'd be interesting to find out what what CDC is seeing in 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 the Norris database. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great. Thanks, thanks, John. Other uh, other other folks want to join us? Come on up, Rob. Sorry, I might have just offset you. Nope. <laughs> Come up, random person who might or might not be named Rob. You did the same thing last year. I know. I remember. I actually remember doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Still don't have a code name or alias, so it's all good. Um, Rob Price with the North Carolina Food Innovation Lab. Um, so kind of going off that conversation you had earlier about restaurant um, inspections. I was actually in a wedding in Maine this weekend, and the conversation of restaurant codes came up, and I basically told them that I have a cutoff for the grade that I will go to if I'm at a restaurant and I actually see the grade. So, two-parter. Oh, One, yes. first part's for you, Ben. In Canada, is it just a pass-fail system? Second one, do you have a cutoff for, like, the minimum grade if you go to a restaurant? That's for both of you. Ooh, okay, so um, in Canada, there's there's a there's different sort of each jurisdiction, and actually John probably knows this better, so I'm gonna look at him while I say this. But I think each jurisdiction does a little bit differently, right? So, um, and it's it's kind of like a um, closed warning, good so, sort of scale here in Toronto. Um, good enough. Good enough. Yeah, yeah. Good enough. Like every yes. Um, and so, but it, yeah, it's it's different from you know what what you and I see in North Carolina, where we've got um, 
a, you know, a specific number and you know that like certain infractions are worth two points and certain things are worth four and you can kind of like count backwards um, from, from that. Um, and, but in the same vein, um, I, yeah, you get the, you know, you get that like green, red, yellow kind of stoplight situation here in Toronto. Um, you can still go and see the actual inspection reports to see what got them to, as John said, good enough. So, so that's, I think that's the situation. When, so Don, why, what do you, I want to hear your thoughts on this first. Um, like, is there, do you, do you look and is there a cutoff? Cause that's a great question. Rob. Yeah, I don't always look. And, and basically in New Jersey, we have three thing, three scores, satisfactory, conditionally satisfactory and unsatisfactory, um, which is not a very helpful score. Um, I, I tend to not look for the scores, but I think if I noticed that it wasn't the highest possible score, I would think twice about eating there. Um, yeah. Again, depending on what, I mean, in an ideal world, I would want to know, I would want to see the inspection results and I'd like to read the, all of the things that were wrong and I'd like to see the detailed form. Um, you know, so in an ideal world, that would all be like instantaneously on my phone and I would use that to make a decision. But yeah, for the most part, I just kind of hope that things are okay, right? And I will, I will, I do like to read reviews and see what people say, right? But mostly it's, you know, the server was rude to me or, you know, I didn't get enough of, I didn't, they didn't give enough ketchup <laughs> or whatever, right? Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's not, it's not, it's not something that I th really think about a lot and maybe I should think about it more, but yeah, I, I, I don't know, like, especially during the pandemic, we didn't we didn't go out a lot. Right. And I, we still don't go out all that much. And when we do go out, a lot of times it's carry out from like the same places that we always go to. So and then if we're if we're traveling and we're in a city, it's it's more like, well, you know, we need to get like Ben again. Ben picked uh, the place where we all had dinner on Saturday and then it cleverly did not come himself because because <laughs> apparently airplane something, airplane, something airplane. Um, or maybe he had to go rafting. I don't know. But uh yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's not. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm giving my answer, and I'm not really happy with the answer I'm giving. Well, here, let me let me take a stab at it. From I, I would say that I'm because I'm more familiar with the North Carolina approach. In my local restaurants, I notice it more, and I, you know, I don't think I've ever thought of a threshold, but that I would. But I, but like like oh, you know, this is my this is my number. But I'll tell you, like Rob, I, if I if if a restaurant had an, anything in the '80s, I would be like, this, something something's real bad because I know that that's like five little thing, not little things, but like five two point violations or a four and a bunch of twos or two fours. Like that's that's a that's a lot. I think I would start getting a little antsy in the like '92 range. And, and I, you know, I, I think, but that's, so, and I do, I do look like the places that I frequent a lot and I, I, w I don't look as a decision-making, it's more of like, oh, we're waiting for food or waiting to sit down. And I'm like, it's right there. And so I like the, the uh, shout out to a restaurant that's in my neighborhood. And I'm actually better look it up now, but um, to see what it is before I say it. But uh, we go to this restaurant called Chow, which is really close to my, to my house. And their that inspection score is at the like at the front and I, I couldn't tell you what it is right now but I, I 
I'd definitely glance at it, and it would be a surprise to me if it was lower than like a 96 or a 94, because I think that would like trigger me to to like be like, oh, I really like this place, and what I wonder what what you know what's going on. But Don brings up an interesting point. I I would say traveling, I'm fully uh, like out of it. Like I, I don't know enough about the system. Sometimes I don't. You know, like I, here in Toronto, like I've seen, a, I, I mean, everything I've seen is green as good enough, right? Like I, you know, and I it just, that that's the kind of the, the standard, right? I know in Tennessee, um, traveling there, they have a, an inspection score um, at, that is a letter grade and not a, not a number, but then like talking to regulators in both of our states, how you get to that letter grade in North Carolina is different than how you get to the letter grade in Tennessee. So it's like, oh, that that complicates things. So I think when I travel, like I, I just throw it out and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I want to go to a, like a cool place uh, over over the inspection score. But my local decisions, I'm seeing it more. That's a, that's a great question, though. So what's your all right? What's your threshold? Uh, ninety-five to ninety-two is like okay. Let me see. If I can see anything that's dirty, anything below 92, I'm like, something's off here. Yeah. Anything in the 80s, probably just getting some water, something that I know is going to be cooked really well, and getting out of there, because more likely, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom at some point soon. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd i say, um, and I did, like, when my kids were younger, I was more concerned about it, because that was their, like, their immune, you know, their immune system wasn't fully developed um as i've gotten older i've gotten maybe more complacent about it but if i was um you know if i was immunocompromised or if i if i did have young kids um i think i would think about it more than i than i do do now um so yeah it's good yeah and then also like you said when when i'm traveling i don't really pay attention to it at all like when i've been here i've seen the green i'm like oh that place looks nice i'll go eat there or I'm with a group of people and someone makes a decision for me, I'm like, sure, whatever, yeah. I'll eat it. And deal with the consequences later. If it is something that's wrong with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I will say, want to give a shout out to the good folks at the Vatican Gift Shop, uh, which is the restaurant that Ben picked for us. Uh, it looks like a gift shop. Um, with religious items in the window and then if you go past that front door there's actually a whole bar back there and it's very cool and they treated us really nice and we had great food. Also, uh, shout out to the Chick-fil-A in the Eaton Mall uh, where I ate uh, earlier and did not get sick, uh, so that's good So and I didn't get sick from anything so far and then uh, we've be eaten at the uh, Fairmont Royal York restaurant several nights now, had a fancy dinner with uh, with some folks, and that was that was really nice. And uh, yeah, so um, so far so good. Awesome, awesome. Thanks, thanks, Rob. And uh, sorry, that's that's what we're known in the business as dead air. We should never have dead air. Uh, we've got we've got another listener who's come up to ask some questions. Hi, um, I'm Janae Parker. I'm with McKee Foods, um, but my question is more personal. I'm a first-time mom, and um, my daughter's 18 months old. And so, you know, the, the whole time of being a parent, like I've been being a food safety professional, kind of freaking out about germs, <laughs> but yeah. yet also knowing the importance of that too. You know, developing um, and developing their immune system. And we also live on a farm too. So, you know, the first time that she got like ate dirt I was like panicking <laughs> and um, everyone's like oh no it's fine you know like they need to build it um, 
but I just was curious on the risky or not on, you know, uh, kids eating gross things and touching nasty things and eating food off the floor oh and gosh. just all the things yeah. that come with toddlers in general. Um, just curious on your take on that. Yeah. And I'll, um, I can, I can uh, jump in on that first. Um, it, it was something that, uh, freaked me out a lot when my, our kids were young. So one, I guess like contextual thing that also links back to, um, the Silica lecture today, um, when my oldest son was, when my wife was pregnant with my oldest son, was in the middle of Canada's largest and deadliest listeria outbreak um, around deli meats, and um, and so and I was like primed into that to that world, like like that was, I, you know, I I knew you knew what was going on and was was really really following it, and I was real, like I was real freaked out about it, um, and 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 I think. Don, Don and I have talked about this, and I think that this is where risk, your your risk decisions change because the consequence of losing a child you know, is so high that that you maybe make, you, or at least for me, I'm I, I, I'm much more risk averse because like it's it's both like likelihood and consequence, right? Not consequences. It's not. It's different than you know diarrhea, um, and uh, and so that paranoia. Um, continued on into when my when my kids were um, were young and toddlers as well. And for us, the only and I you know I know your questions about like dirt and, and environment and stuff. And, and I you know I, I think it's I think it's really hard to control and manage. And so my my focus was on like the things I could manage and the things that I could manage. We didn't we didn't have um, any ground beef ground beef products in our house until they were like seven six like it was all ground turkey and really from a risk risk trade-off what i kind of looked at was like all right the likelihood of ground beef having pathogenic e coli and it chicken toxin producing e coli in it is is low but the consequence is high and i'd much rather them deal with campylobacter than if we do something or if there's cross-contamination so i like reduce the chance of that um whether that's like I don't know, valid or not, that that's kind of my like my risk management in in, um, in in reduction. The other thing that I that I did and talked about this on the podcast a little bit, um, and I still continue to do this, but I, I my kids like frozen berries. They don't now, but when they're young they, they did. And I was concerned about um, really like Lucerian norovirus and hepatitis A. And so I um, still like when we get frozen berries, I like cook them and then refreeze them for my for my smoothies just because I've gotten in the habit yeah. of it. Yeah, there was um, just a huge recall yeah. from Listeria of frozen yeah. So those berries. are like, for me, those are the things that I could manage. Yeah. Stuff like, you know, yeah, whether they're, they're picking stuff up and um, putting it in their mouths, it was like, ah, uh, I don't, like, that's not great. I don't want them to do that. Um, but yeah, yeah. You, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's what, I mean, it's just being, yeah, being a food food safety professional knowing the microbiology behind a lot of the things that we do touch is it I mean even like playgrounds you know I mean I've seen the where they swipe the hands of you know kids before and after playgrounds and how much more bacteria they pick up but it's you know I'm a most of them are not harmful but still it's just a it's a anxiety uh, point for me and uh, like I said and especially having you know being cattle producers your (laughs) potential uh, I feel like increases a little bit but it's also Balance. Yeah, and and yeah, and I like Ben's advice about like it's kind of like the serenity prayer, like managing the risks that you can and and having serenity. But I'm, I'm yeah. watching that. But um, but yeah. So um, 
and I will say again, and probably you know, in the interest of not making you more nervous than you should be, don't don't listen to episode um, uh, uh, four seventy eight. Uh, Risky, you're not living next to a farm because you're living <laughs> on a farm. Yeah. yeah. So this was about well, <laughs> yeah, but. Still, um, yeah. and then also, I think, and I think this back to ground beef. I think this was the first episode, or it was it wasn't the first episode of Food Safety Talk. It was one of the very early episodes where I would I was ranting about we would go into um, a restaurant chain, which I didn't I didn't name in the episode. I think I called them Billy's, but it was Chili's, and and they would because I don't care now. Yeah. Um, they're not a sponsor, um, and uh, and and they would ask my kids. My kids would order burgers, and they they would ask my kids how they want their burger done and I'm like they want their burger well done and if I had been channeling my inner Ben Chapman or Doug Powell I said they want their burgers cooked to 165 right yeah. because I, you know it was it was and again and they and they always got their burgers well done and they never got sick but it really was like like this is really bad risk management people you do not ask kids how they want their burgers done like that's not that's not an acceptable practice in, in a restaurant so yeah I mean, I, I think when she was before one, I mean, I was super cautious. And now as a toddler, you know, you know, toddlers, they're kind of feral. Uh, yeah. You can't really yeah. control what they do. Um, you know, it's just more of, <laughs> I mean, truly. Um, I, you know, I always said my kid would never, yeah, they do. Um, but I, I don't know. I, well, introducing food at least. So yesterday there was a speech on, um, or a session on foreign material mm. and it actually ended up being a lot about choking um, oh. and not just the foreign material that gets in you know from processing but like the food itself inherently being foreign material or uh, being a choking hazard right, right. and so that was fascinating because they were literally talking about baby food and that kind of stuff um, and so I asked a question on baby led weaning um, have you heard of that yeah, yeah. okay yeah yep. so um, and, and so I kind of dug into that um, and you know being research-based um, I looked in that now my parents thought I was absolutely psycho um, but we did we did a mixed approach um, but yeah just introducing the things that we know are safe and have the research to back it up and um, there's 
we've I saw solid starts on Instagram, um, okay. and they actually have an app that teaches you how to uh, introduce food safely. Um, and it had food safety information and had ways to uh, like cook it correctly and how to also like you know put it in the right, correct size oh, and wow. shape and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's called solid starts. Yeah, solid okay. starts. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I've just been very impressed by their their information and data. Um, and it was even on the nutrition stuff on it. I mean, just had so much information. Their app is great. You can literally type in any food and it will pop up and tell you from six months to two years of how to, um, you know, prepare it. So I kind of was following that, but I don't know. It's kind of the same thing of like, try to mitigate what I can, but then also just just take the wheel on the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, um, I don't know if it's if it's changed much, but I I know when we had uh, one of our our second kid and took him to the pediatrician, he was having a tough time teething, and our pediatrician gave us a, a sheet, and I don't I can't remember like who had produced it, but it was like you know some you know some some organization, and they talked about um, uh, utilizing frozen vegetable mix like frozen corn and frozen mm. peas and and stuff. Uh, as a like teething mechanism, and so we, Don and I work, um, we, we sit on the uh, scientific advisory group for the American Frozen Food Institute, and I was like, I got this thing, and I'm working with frozen food folks who are like, we're really concerned about listeria and our frozen oh, peas, no. and I was like, what, what's happening here? Like, what's the disconnect? Like, did you know? And so the, this was it became a topic that, mm-hmm. that we talked about at the at Appy was like. Did you know that this is like a recommendation by pediatricians to do this? And wow! Like, and you're sitting around with a bunch of like frozen food producers, and they're like, "No, like this is not a ready to eat food." It's like, well, That's we better we, we we need to get out there and talk about right. this. Yeah, yeah we yeah. should fix this. So, yeah, yeah. So I think it's I, like I, I really appreciate your question because I think it's a it's like a confusing space. It is. Right? I mean, yeah, yeah. There's ridiculous amount of information. Yeah. I mean, I feel like on, on every subject, but um, especially when you're a first time mom and just the amount of misinformation that's in the world today, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I and you know the whole other mommy blogger type situation. That's where the first session I went to um, on the first day was about you know chemicals and food and how to, to talk to the consumers about not being afraid. Um, and I literally um, was sitting in one of my friends' house that we have kids the same age, and she's very much in the you know oh, I've done my research and you know the clean fifteen and all you know right, I mean, right, all those right. things. And it's just like no, like it's really okay. And she was like. You know, but not believing me right. as a food scientist by trade, but yet, you know, anyways, she was like, I've done my research. I was like, from what source is? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's really hard. Yeah. It is. I've, I've done my research is, is now a phrase that raises flags. But I just, it just it, to, to illustrate the weird, wonderful world of food safety and to bring it back to Clostridium perfringens, I had a graduate student in my lab, Sarah Smith, who helped me to write a grant proposal to USDA that got funded, which got me started doing Clostridium perfringens research. After Sarah graduated, um, she moved to work for uh, a law firm doing like patent research, not really related to the work that she did for a PhD. She didn't really like it all that much. She had an opportunity to go back to work for Gerber in the sensory evaluation world. And again, she's trained as a microbiologist, but really good with data analytics and numbers. And and so sensory was a good fit. Um, And then a while ago, um, she pivoted um, and she was one of the speakers in that symposium. She was the woman from Gerber talking about physical, physical hazards. And so like, isn't that, isn't, I mean, that, that is, and, and again, 
I mean, I'm getting goosebumps here. Like this is what this association does, right? It puts people together and it makes connections. Who knew that that person that you were talking to at that symposium was my former graduate student from 20 years ago, right? But yet that's the her career path. And it was, and I'm, I'm sorry, I missed your session. I will listen to the recording, but what a fascinating, and we had, we had dinner with her one, one night and it was, it was absolutely fascinating to hear like all of the stuff that she was doing. And again, she has a PhD in, in food science and microbiology, and now she's doing all this other really weird, cool, useful stuff. I mean, it's just it's a it's a it's an interesting world. Um, yeah, th that's that's so cool. Uh, that's why I love food safety. We were talking about this morning of just you know the connections that you make in these conferences, and you know if you would have told me four year five years ago, six years ago, whenever I started coming, um, that the friends I have made you know today I would see every year. It's just really neat. Um, but to, I, something came up in my mind of that question of what am I doing? And it really feels like I'm just doing a risk assessment at yeah. every point in, in my day with yes. my toddler. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, just risk assessment. That that skill set from our work is also helpful in parenting. So. Yeah, I, yeah, and, totally, and, totally and related, like, you don't want to raise your kids in a notobiotic chamber, right? Like, they need to be exposed to germs. And hopefully, you know, and again, it's a slippery slope, though, right? Because, yeah, you want to be exposed to some germs, right, and some pathogens, but not too many and not all at once. And, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's, and I, and I think there's still, again, talking about science, I think there's still so much we don't understand, right, about how the immune system works. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's so, anyway, you know, go, go do your own research, but, but like, don't, don't, don't like, but, but that means like, that means Google Scholar, not yeah. Google. <laughs> Thank you. All right, we definitely have time for others. And, and what do you think? So should we look to wrap it? quarter of because yeah. that'll give me 15 minutes to look at Marcy's slides and not be late. Yep, okay. that, that sounds great. All right. All right. Hello. Um, I, I, I'm Bill. I go with the code name Deep in the Heart of Texas. <laughs> um, I, I, I jump into these with a little bit of trepidation. I remember the first time that I uh, showed up to one of these recordings, I was telling my boss about it and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to listen to this live recording of a podcast. And he looked at me with deep horror and said, you're going to be on it, are you? <laughs> so, so no, you know. Of course not. No, no. <laughs> so, at, at any rate, um, just let people be on podcasts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with with that in mind, I'm I'm going. To, we've had a lot of really great discussions, so I'm going to bring it down a little bit with a dumb comment. Um, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> just uh, when you were talking about uh, the the concerns uh, with with uh, ha having to swim and stuff like that, it reminded me of a story my father always told me. Um, he was in the Coast Guard, and uh, he was also a poor swimmer. So uh, you know, he, he he expressed this to people, and uh, uh, they they said, "Oh no, don't worry about it. If you ever get in trouble, just dive for the bottom and run like heck for shore." <laughs> Excellent. Perfect. I will, I, I will utilize that this week. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure quite how applicable that is to like rafting, well, I, but hey, and I, 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 turns out I'm like not a bad runner. So maybe that should be like my, my approach anyway. There you yeah. go. There you go. Uh, Thanks, Bill. So sorry. Just one quick before we leave the Coast Guard. So my, my, my dad also was in the Coast Guard. Um, pretty good swimmer, but it turns out um, he lost most of his hearing when he, to German measles when he was a kid. So he was really good at faking it. But eventually they found out that he was faking it and he really couldn't hear all that well. And they politely, honorably discharged him from the Coast Guard. And they said, try to do something else. So. <laughs> 
hearing, hearing things on a boat is important. Yeah. But to, I, I but do have do have one more serious comment. It reminded me um, when we were speaking earlier about um, uh, restaurant uh, uh, ratings. Uh, uh, I, I work for a third party lab, and uh, both we get audited, and obviously our 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 clients get audited. And it always occurred to me that when there is uh, an outbreak or something like that gets traced back to a particular manufacturer, one of the first things they'll say is, well, but, but we got audited. We got a really good grade on our audit. Right. So, you know, it, it always occurs to me, like, like it, it, it's almost, you almost have to try to fail one of these audits, right? I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Ben has done more research in this area than I have done, but. It, yeah, it is. And we've talked about this before. I think this is even predates the start of Risky or Not, right? And Food Safety Talk. And I don't remember what episodes. And my internet is really slow right now, so I might not be able to find them. But we've Ben and I have had a series of discussions over the years about, like, the, the and I'll be, I'll be a little bit, whatever, a little bit pointed and say the audit racket, right? Because, like, look, let's look at the situation. The, the company does not want to fail the audit. The auditor does not really want to fail the company. The, the, comp the company that's buying that product does not really want the company to fail, right? So er no one really has a vested interest in anyone failing the audit. And, and so it's, it's a problem. And we, we've talked about it. We haven't talked about it lately, I think. Um, but I appreciate you bringing it up because I'm not, I'm not sure how you fix that, right? Like, I mean, if FDA comes into your facility, well, they have a vested interest in, not in failing you, but in certainly not letting you produce food that's unsafe, right? Um, and, but yet auditing's, are, auditing's a thing, right? Like, it's a big thing and it's a, it's a big racket, right? And, and I'll, again, I'll use that word racket by choice. Uh, but the problem is I don't know how to fix it, right? Uh, anyway, so, yeah. th but thank you for the topic. I, 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 I hope Ben has something more hopeful to say. Well, yeah, and so um, I guess a couple of things on this. Um, one, you know, I guess the difference between audit and inspection I, uh, is from, you know, from Don's comments, that, you know, you're, the, the framework is coming, the frame they're coming from is different, right? Like. Like the idea from an inspection standpoint, it's like, is the, you know, and I'll just go back to John's comment, is this good enough, right? Is this good enough for, for it to be on the market? And, and we have a set of standards. And an audit, to me, the goal is not that. The goal is really what is happening here now related to this standard, like the regulatory standard, but then other things, because it's, it, it's often, you know, deeper and different, right? Maybe focused on risk, you know, risk-based approaches or, or whatever. But, you know, Don, Don's exactly right. Everybody on the audit side of things really wants the person, the audit to go well. And the one thing that you, you didn't mention um, that I think is important, and there's like a client services relationship there too, right? Like I probably don't want to, if, if I'm failing a lot of people, maybe they're going to go find another auditor. Which, which is a you know a jaded kind of look at this, but I, I it's it's got to be part of the um, part of the fa the factor. I I think that the the problem that we've created in the food safety world is that an audit means it's good to go or it's not. And I look at an audit as a tool to tell people what's happening at the time that it happened, not and and it's about the history of of that. Um, 
I, one, one of the, I guess, most fun research that I did, and it was about inspections, but I think it's analogous to audits here, was working with restaurant operators um, in Kansas and in Michigan and asking them a really very short like question for, in a semi-structured interview, which was, when the inspector shows up, do you do things differently? That's it, right? Like, because if we, if we think that the inspector showing up gives us, or the auditor showing up gives us a, like we, we, we want it to give us a, a true snapshot. And they're like, yeah, of course we do things differently. And then asking inspectors, when you show up at a restaurant, do you think they do things differently? They're like, of course we do. <laughs> and so it's like the, the part of it is we've created a, like a unreasonable expectations about the outputs. It, the system has flaws, but it's, it's, I, I just don't think we're using it correctly. Um, and uh, I, I think there's been some really interesting stuff that's happened in the world of animal agriculture, especially around humane handling of animals, where it's like, hey, let's put a bunch of cameras up all the time. And, and now, and, you know, I read something recently about using machine learning to, you, to like in real time look at those cameras. But the idea was, hey, there's a camera here and anybody can look at any time and maybe they'll find it and maybe they won't. And, and I mean, like people are not super like, I don't know, open and happy sometimes to be watched all the time, but that actually probably gets you more to what, what we think the output should, you know, should be. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I know that's like a long-winded answer to your question, Bill, but I, I, don't think, I don't think audits do what we want them to do, but I don't think that they're a lost cause. Like I think there's, I think there's value. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say too, and we've, I've talked about this on the podcast as well, we have a program in my lab where we inspect the Rutgers University dining halls. And I give a presentation every year to an undergraduate class um, used to be called quantity food preparation. Now it's food service, food safety for food service or something. But um, one of the things I tell the students when I talk about the work that we do is I say, look, if you believe that inspecting an operation makes it safer, then everything at Rutgers is 12 times safer than everywhere else in New Brunswick because we inspect them 12 times a year yeah. and public health inspects them once a year. Now probably what we are doing when we are inspecting them is we are probably making sure that they have their ducks in a row for when local public health comes in because they, they know what they have to do to not get you know, uh, uh, to not miss a, a check mark, you know, or, the, or to get a check mark in our system. Um, do I really think that we're making them significantly safer? Probably not, although it was really interesting when we came back from the pandemic and they had um, new people that weren't fully trained, we had more low scores because I think people didn't know what they were doing, right? And then so, and then they kind of got into a groove and they're like, oh yeah, all right, the, 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 the students from Schaffner's lab are coming, you know, we, we need to, at least on the day when we know they're gonna be here, which is usually on a Monday or Tuesday because that's just the way our, our schedule works because we got to do the, the micro testing the rest of the week. But I mean, do I think that the work that we do helps Rutgers Dining be safer? Absolutely. Yeah. Do I think that the work that we're doing with inspections is making it significantly safer? Well, I'm not sure, um, but it's not, it's not useless. But again, I'm, but I'm also not counting on the fact that what we are doing is making it safe, right? I'm trusting that we're giving the operators the tools that they need to do a good job even when we're not there, so they're doing the best that they can to make it safe, right? And, uh, you know, which is, which is again, maybe not a, 
for somebody who's listening to this podcast for the first time and who doesn't understand the world of food safety, maybe that's not a very reassuring statement, but I think we all we all realize that, right? Like those of us that live in this world every day, we know it's 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 a it's a game of probabilities. And we're, what we're doing is we're trying to manage those probabilities as best we can. Um, but we also know that sometimes you have that perfect storm, right? Where a bunch of bad things happen all at once and that's probably when you're gonna have an outbreak. Yeah, and, and I like I, I think that, that perspective is really, really important, right? It's like you, all these things, they're not, it's not either or, right? Like, it's not like, oh, this factor is more important than, than the others. And, and what I'd love, like, what I'd love to see um, kind of happen, yeah, and, and, and there are jurisdictions that do this, and there are auditors that do this. It's about, okay, there's a standard here that we want you to hit, and okay, let us coach you on this now. Like, like being able, and I think that's what puts, um, sometimes regulators in a really tough spot from a philosophical standpoint, but I've seen it in jurisdictions where it's like, we would rather help bring this stuff up, right? So yeah, you got a, you got a temperature control issue here. I'm not just gonna write it down. Like I'm gonna try and work with you on a solution for this so that next time you, we don't have a temperature control issue um, here. And, and I, so I, I think that more of that built into both the auditing and inspection system it, it gives, just gives fuller fuller utility but i don't like i i i wouldn't i would not be like be here and be like oh we should throw this all out right like inspections are stupid um audits are stupid like it's it's that they're they're, they have limitations and we need to like make sure we know what those are but at the same time speaking of throwing it all out if i temp a food in a cold bar and it's at 45, do I throw it all out? Right, right. No, I, I try to figure out why it's at 45. Maybe it's on ice and you forgot to refill the ice. Maybe your refrigeration unit needs to be adjusted. Maybe you're running low on coolant. Um, maybe the person that laid out the salad bar didn't do it like they, they needed to, these are these are room temperature ingredients that came out of a can so they're low risk but guess what you need to refrigerate that unit is not going to take that room temperature food and bring it down to 40 degrees fahrenheit it's going to take a cold food and keep it cold so maybe you refrigerate the cans the night before so that when you open that completely sterile food, it starts off at a temperature where the unit is not having to work to bring the temperature down. So it points out problems that where then you can do some coaching or some you know training or mitigation to, to stop it from being catastrophic instead of being 45 next time to stop it from being 70, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great question, Bill. Thanks. Yeah, because we we just talked for like fifteen minutes on it, so good job. <laughs> not not bad for showing up and saying, "Oh, I'm just gonna make a dumb little comment." Yeah, yeah, good job, good job. Yeah, thank you, thank you. See, he has now discovered the secret of podcasting. It's just one dumb little comment after another, and pretty soon it's a whole podcast. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right, so last call. Here we go. Smoke them if you got them. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. So um, I, I do need to remain anonymous. Yes, always. Because, you know, <laughs> what I do. Yes. Deep state. Deep state. But you guys always call me by my email, oh. which is too bit shy. Yeah. Too bit shy, deep state. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of, you know, as, the, as the, the discussion generates, but going way back to mushrooms, um, I do teach our state does um it, you know the food code says that you got to have it by a certified forager what does that mean yeah, right yeah, yeah. so our state um came up with a program where we do a course that's taught by my cut well we don't we teach i teach the regulatory portion of it and then there's a 
um, organization that you know uses mycologists to teach you know these are the species that you can harvest etc and so one thing that I found interesting about that Montana outbreak was that these were supposedly cultivated morels is that correct that's correct yeah commercially sold on the market yeah, yeah. and it's interesting to me that there was one location mm-hmm. who had this outbreak from cultivated morels that were distributed to other places yep. so right. not to be you know a regulator but to me that seems like perhaps somebody was increasing the volume of their morels by like foraging you know and I don't know if it was the the restaurant themselves or if they had somebody else who came in and said hey I have these morels um not morals Ben no one has morals here don't worry I did literally laugh out loud when you said that on the podcast um but it was you know so to me that's something that um you know, we may need to think about because this, it is a big industry, yeah. you know, I mean, comparatively not, but when you look at, um, you know, where are these wild mushrooms going? Restaurants are huge, yep. you know? Um, so that's something that I think, you know, as regulators, probably we should have more knowledge on what's being sold and have a better understanding of what things look like. Um, you know, which is one of the one of the ways that we deal with it in my state is we do allow our inspectors to take the course for free. Um, well, I should say the organization allows us to take it for free yeah. <laughs> um, so that we go through that and kind of get an idea of, of what, you know, what we're looking at so that we can s- sort of, you know, even though we're not necessarily certified experts, that we can sort of dif- differentiate between, you know, a morale and a false morale. Um, you know, or a chanterelle and a jack-o'-lantern and, you know, and I, you know, having been a forager a long time, I already knew those things, but I can see where sometimes, to me, a false morel does not look like a morel, but. Well, but so one of the things that I thought was so fascinating about that outbreak, and I think we talked about this on the podcast, is that even true morels or morels that are not false morels have to be cooked. Mm -hmm. And so you could get a totally legit morel and not properly, not cook it enough, and people could get sick. And to me, that that blew my mind. Like I've been doing this, playing this game for thirty years. I did not know that, right? Like what what a what a what a weird thing. Like oh yeah, you have to even the even the okay ones you have to cook because guess what? They've got some small amount of toxin in them, right? Yeah, yeah, and that there's been um, outbreaks from even cooked ones because that sometimes that toxin depending on the cultivation can be variable too, yep. right right, right. it's a biological system and, yeah. and sensitivity between people too right. yeah right. absolutely yeah you because know, yep. like for instance i can't eat puffballs which is like one of the most benign mushrooms there is but i will vomit oh. all over <laughs> oh. so even you know between people i i also can't eat puffballs because that seems disgusting yeah. i do i do i do like to find them and and hit them and uh, and let them puff because that's a lot of fun but i i'm well also as famously is well known i really don't like mushrooms yeah, of any true. kind yeah. although i do i do like a shiitake you know i like a mushroom <laughs> yeah you don't eat them when they explode like that you got to get them before that, that point yeah yeah i need, I need an expert <laughs> Um, and then going back, you know, again, to circle back to like the audit yeah. situation, which Bill does bring up a good point of, you know, there's this or maybe it was you, Ben, that said that there's this very, um, you know, like, well, if we pass the audit, we're good, you know, and it's it's an if then and it's really not, you know, right, right. even even our inspections, like you said, yeah. it's it's 
in in my state and I know a lot more jurisdiction are, are going into this like mindset of you know we are doing these as education you know absolutely we're regulating to keep the food safe right, right. but we are approaching it a lot more with that education in mind of like okay hey this is a thing that we're noticing so yeah let's work on how do we make it you know work together so that we can make sure this doesn't happen in the in the future or you know give you that education that you need like for instance i just had a place that i inspected that um had just had their audit and i had to put a hold on a whole bunch of food because they weren't doing a you know a, a a critical parameter correctly and it's like you know and of course they were surprised because they just had an audit. I've never said anything about this. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think there was, with Jensen Farms, wasn't it the, um, their yeah. auditor told them to not chlorinate the wash water? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, there's there's things, and we're all human, right? We all make mistakes. We all miss stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I think we really need to move away from that paradigm of, you know, audit means I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. And, like, start to really do that as that education piece and talk to them of, like, okay, yeah, it's it's okay today, but you know there may be more things that come up in the future or changes in staff that make this different <laughs> yeah and every day is a different day mm-hmm. right yeah and what i would say if you fail an audit it's bad if you pass an audit it doesn't mean that it's good yeah it just yeah. means that you didn't fail the audit today yeah. right i mean and, and how do you get that into people's minds right like that's because again it's it, it's a whole cultural thing it's like well we're just and this is again to, to just to turn it back to like like being a professor and having graduate students it's such a wonderful thing and also a terrible thing when a graduate student comes into the lab for the first time and they've been conditioned that they're going to succeed. They're going to get 90% or better if they're, if they're good at stuff. And you come into the lab and you can't get an experiment to work. And then you try it again and it doesn't work. And you try it again and it doesn't work. And, and that, that is very humbling, but that is also the truth, right? Like I really worry so much. Like it's really not about the grade. It's about the process. Like let's learn the process, right? Let's learn the process of doing science. You did an experiment. It's not that the experiment didn't work. It's just that you got results that didn't make sense to you. So let's talk about what you did because here's the thing. The world, the nature, will always give you the correct answer to the question that you asked, but you just might have not asked the correct question or you might have not asked the question in the right way. Same with computer programming. Like The computer program is going to do what you told it to do, but what you told it to do might not have been what you meant to tell it to do, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to literally do what you told it to do, right? And and how do we how do we again this is a we, we, we got to wrap this up because um, I got to go not be late to a talk that I'm going to give um, but uh, yeah like how do we how do we change that culture that's a that's a that's a that's a probably not a good place to leave it Ben <laughs> yeah yeah right right well so you can continue next time <laughs> yeah no, like, like I'll um, I don't know I don't know how we're going to change culture but I'm glad we have the discussion about it because I still was uh, I, I was at the conference for food protection meetings you were Don in Houston and I was in a room with some some un, you know unnamed regulator of a local health department who vehemently said we're not educators. Uh, my, my my inspectors don't have time for that. The the rule is this. They enforce the rule and and I was like so we have we have work to do, I guess, right? Like that that is the the um the the message. And and I I understood their perspective. I disagreed with it. Um but but this individual talked about politically, my, you know, uh, board of health, you know, uh, you know, representatives have told me that I cannot spend time on this, and my staff cannot spend time on it. 
and so I I've got to I I've got to follow their you know their thing because we're in a weird political situation. So I'm like I get it, but it's we have work we having the conversation is where we we need to keep going with this. Sounds like they need to get those legislators to that meeting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And and I mean we do still have. Um, you know, folks who've been around a long time who still kind of take that yep. um, viewpoint. But I, I, most of most of us now, I feel like overwhelming majority of us are having that, you know, that shift in paradigm. We're not consultants. Right. right. That's a different That's, thing. Absolutely. 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 <laughs> but we should be educators. Yeah. You know, and some of us do struggle with the line of, you know, <laughs> yeah. consultant versus, you know, education and keeping it in a reasonable time frame um but yeah i mean that that really needs to change from from that yeah, for yeah, sure agree, agree, yeah agree. <laughs> you lost well, your shoe well done yeah well, don uh, don i'm, I'm putting my on. shoes on He's both both of them both of them i gotta run yeah um thanks i mean um deep state thanks for being here uh thanks everybody else uh for for joining us uh today and um, we'll we'll end this uh, like we awkwardly, awkwardly do. usually bye. do. Bye. 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 bye, 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 bye. See ya. See ya. Bye. 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 And we don't need to schedule. Uh, we don't have an after show because we already scheduled we're for scheduled next time. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everybody.